and welcome to A Sober Girls Podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out. I'm your host, Sherry, and I've been through my own ups and downs with sobriety. And if you're listening to this, then you have taken the first step to making a change in your life and finding a community to help you through your sobriety. Now, let's go through this journey together. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. What's up, fam? I hope that you're doing really well. I hope that you're having a great start to your week and everything is going well. And if not, I just hope that whatever it is comes to a resolution quickly for you. I know that for me, I have been going through it and oh my God, I am so glad that prior to my world legitimately falling apart, that I had the option and ability and tools in my toolbox to help me get through and get ready what I was going through at the time to get ready for today. And I know that sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo, so I'm just gonna wheel this on back for you. Um, on Saturday, we had a uh, our home meeting, obviously, and um, we didn't have really a topic at that time. And so the gal who was leading the group spoke up and she said that um, she had to tell on herself. And I thought, holy fuck, like what has happened? And luckily she hadn't drank, but she had gotten to a place in her sobriety where she had gotten complacent. And that might sound not so bad to some of you, but for a lot of us who are alcoholics and addicts, and in a spiritual program of growth, complacency is dangerous. Complacency is the cousin to relapse. Once you start getting those thoughts and feelings in your head, once you start rationalizing and justifying certain ways that you feel, your negativity, your bad moods, the way you treat people, how other people piss you off, how you're not responsible for certain actions, once you get to that place of complacency, you're headed down a really bad road. It's basically thinking that what you did yesterday in your sobriety is going to keep you sober today, and that is not not the truth at all. Um, complacency is defined as a feeling of contentment or self-satisfaction, especially when coupled with the awareness of danger, trouble, or controversy. To say an individual is acting complacency, complacency, yeah, whatever, you know what I mean, means that they're taking things for granted. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we can become complacent, and not in necessarily a negative way, but become complacent in a positive way. And I think for me, I was in that season probably about two, two and a half years ago, where I was really complacent. But it was a positive complacency, right? I quit doing the things that the program had taught me to do, and I started relying on humans to make me feel better, humans to make me feel like I was doing some kind of good, some kind of service, and that actually can be a spot of complacency because when we rely on human beings, when we rely on the judgment, preference, happiness, and basically the overall acceptance of others, we are stepping out of what we have been taught in our program of self-resiliency and doing what we need to do to stay sober. Complacency comes with a type of smugness, essentially. It means that once you've been, you've reached that place of complacency, 
that you no longer feel like you have to put in the work, right? You no longer feel like you have to really um, put forth effort into what you're doing. And complacency can come in so many fashions, you guys. It can come in marriage. It can come in work. It can come in AA. It can come in our faith and our friendships with our family. And it can mask sometimes as depression even. And if we allow our complacency to get to that point where we think we're better on our own, it will turn into isolation and depression eventually, which will lead you to drinking. So how, how and why can we see complacency? Where can we see complacency? Well, we can see it in a lot of our actions. A lot of us aren't probably aware of what's going on. Um, I know for me, when I realized I was complacent, I didn't realize I was complacent until after, which is extremely dangerous, which is what almost led to me relapsing. But when my friend was sharing on Saturday, she was willing to admit that, hey, listen, I am absolutely um, complacent right now. I'm comfortable. I'm numb. I don't feel like I have to do the work. And I don't know if things are going well in her life. I don't know if things are going bad in her life. But the fact that she had the wherewithal to say, yeah, I basically haven't been doing jack shit because I don't feel like I need to, says a lot, actually. It says that we have gotten to a place where we believe we are so good on our own that we don't need anything else. So when we give up on our complacency, or we give up on our program and become complacent, we are also steering away from that spiritual awakening that we had years ago, that spiritual way of living. And again, not a Christian thing, not a Muslim thing, not a Jewish thing, not a religious thing, a faithful thing, a higher power thing. When we step away from our higher power and become complacent and take everything back because everything's going so well, right? Everything's going so well that you think, oh man, I am in a really good place. I don't need to pray anymore. I don't need to meditate anymore. I don't need to go to meetings anymore. And sure, that might be the case for mm, a week. <laughs> and if you think I'm kidding, I'm really not. Like if I don't make it to a meeting, oh gosh, probably two or three times in a row, I absolutely become a monster because I'm not hearing that message that everybody else has. I'm not hearing what everybody else is saying. And so when I am not around to listen to the message, when I'm not around to be reminded that I have to have this spiritual way of living and these tools in my toolbox... I absolutely can become complacent. And there are times when people aren't in the rooms, and I notice. I've been at this home group now for, gosh, six years, I think. Yeah, because I got my seven-year sobriety medallion there. Um, Yeah, so I notice when people aren't there. Now, we obviously had the pandemic, so that's going to change a little bit of things. Right, there's this pre-pandemic world and now there's this post-pandemic world, but we're not getting into that. What we're getting into is people quit showing up to this meeting, um, but there are also people that haven't been to the meeting that um, were really consistent, were not really consistent prior to the pandemic. So there's certain people that I wonder about and make sure and wonder that they're okay, but then there's also people that have been consistent 
and then don't show up for a while. And I'm like, oh, man, I really hope they're doing okay. Because I remember what it was like for me when I wasn't showing up to meetings. And I know that when I think I'm good, I'm really not. And so to hear her say, hey, I got complacent, I really didn't think I needed to be here, or I really didn't think I needed to hear this message because things with my husband have been going well, things at work have been going well, like, that totally resonated with me, right? Like, things are going so good that I no longer need to do these things in order to stay good. But what we fail to understand is that when we are saying, I'm doing good, when we're saying that I don't need this program, we're at that part in our spiritual journey where we have worked so hard in our program, so hard with our higher power, that our higher power has done everything and continues to do everything that we've asked of them. So we're in this beautiful, peaceful place where we are giving to our higher power and our higher power is giving back to us. So when we are in that place where we just feel like we're good, we're spiritually fine, we're spiritually fit, we never really are because there are going to be so many things that you're going to come up against that when you are in a place of complacency and it's not serenity and it's not you know, calmness and it's not fitness, you are going to come up against some hard times and that complacency is going to bite you in the ass. And that's exactly what happened to me. I really truly got complacent for a really long time, actually, prior to starting this podcast, which by the way, you guys, happy one year anniversary to us. Happy one year anniversary to all you who continue to tune in Show me guidance, show me patience, show me love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. Happy anniversary. Uh, before I started this podcast, I had become insanely complacent because there was the pandemic, and um, I thought I'm not drinking, I thought I'm not really doing anything outside the norm. You know, I really didn't, I didn't think that because there was a pandemic and everybody was doing the same thing that I was doing it right. And I started looking for other things to make me feel better. Other people, social media, um, shopping. And um, I do know that when I started down that path, I didn't see it at the time because everything felt so good. You know, when you started drinking, how initially it felt good, right? It, initially, it felt like, oh, yeah, like, this is kind of cool. This isn't that bad. This is, you know, it takes my mind off a few things. It takes my, you know, my brain away from, you know, the stress and the struggle, and I can just kick back and relax. And so that's kind of how I felt. I was kicking back. I was relaxing. I had new friends. Like, I was peacing out and chilling with my homies and, you know, all the cool, fun stuff that all the kids do. And then my entire world came crashing down. And why did it come crashing down? Because during that period of time, I quit working my program. I quit doing the things that I needed to do to stay spiritually fit, to stay in that place where I still had guidance and conscience from a higher power 
and a program. Around the beginning parts of the pandemic, I quit going to church. I quit going to church because the church that I was going to um, had complete disregard for um, for any what appeared to me to be human life because the people with the money in the church said, this is stupid, we're not wearing masks. So the church said, okay, that's fine. You give us lots of money. We're gonna not wear a mask in church. And at the time, at the very, 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 very beginning of the pandemic, I definitely wore a mask because we didn't know what it was. We didn't know what was going on. Like the severity of it really, truly um, just kind of came out of nowhere, right? And then once we got a little more education, looked into it a little bit more, I was fine probably six to eight months after it all started with not wearing a mask, but that was my decision. And to be in a place of God and to be in a place of Christ where people could so quickly and easily dismiss, you know, the aspect of generalized health due to politics really, really frustrated me. Um, And it wasn't even a matter of God will provide, God has this. Yeah, God also creates things that wipes out entire nations. Think about that. Think about that. God wipes out things that kills entire nations, and you don't think for one fucking minute that God was like, meh, pandemic, we'll take care of this, we'll get rid of all these idiots in the world. And the church is like, oh, God will provide, okay, all right, God will provide if you have a lot of money. God will provide if you do what the church says. And that was the feeling that I got from my church. So I'm already feeling attacked, right, from the one place where I should feel safe. I'm already feeling that men are speaking. And when I say men, I don't mean men, you guys. So don't don't get stupid. Man, as a human race, um is speaking for God instead of letting God speak for God. So I quit going to church, and then I had AA meetings online, and they weren't the same, right? So the AA meetings online weren't the same, and so I quit doing those. And I just got complacent. I got just, well, the world's not moving. Why should I not move? So I quit moving. I quit moving in so many aspects my health, my mental health, my relationships, my friendships, my my marriage, my everything. I quit moving. And it caught up with me. Man, did it catch up with me. And it could have caught up with me, pardon me, in a much different way, right? I mean, it could have eventually gotten me out of my house, made me lose my cars. It could have, I lost my job. There are so many different aspects of the pandemic or my behavior, sorry, not the pandemic, but my behavior surrounding the pandemic that could have absolutely gotten me to a place of drinking, which it almost did, or losing things in my life. And so for me, once I realized that I was complacent, and once I realized what I had done to myself, because nobody did it to me, you guys. Not a single soul did shit to me. There were some women in my life that definitely fucked me over. But 
the reason they did that was because I allowed it. I allowed certain things in my life to happen to make me believe that that's what I deserved, that I needed those friendships, that I loved those friendships, that those are things in my life that I absolutely need, blah, 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 blah. And they're not. They're absolutely not things that I need in my life. Those women were not things that I needed in my life. But in my complacency, I thought that that fakeness, that that cover for trauma and pain were what I needed. And so once I had my complete breakdown, and y'all were here for it, party on Garth, party on Wayne, we, we move forward, right? We have no choice to, but to move forward. And that, like I said, the damage could have been much worse. I got out with, you know, some hurt feelings, a few not even really missed friends, one missed friend really, and um, some bad financial decisions. But I didn't drink. And I didn't lose a lot in my life. I didn't really lose anything in my life except for myself. Um, so I had to get my life together. I had to get my finances together, of which there were a lot because I was so miserable inside. I didn't tell a fucking soul. And there were things going on at home that if I brought up, I was afraid that I would get chastised because in my past, I've been chastised for them. I had been controlled before and I didn't want to be controlled. I had been um, told I couldn't have or do certain things and I didn't want to feel that way. I didn't want someone to hurt my feelings more than I had already been hurt. So I had gotten myself in a little bit of financial trouble, but I took it upon myself once I got out of my own way and out of my own pity I actually managed to get myself onto this debt management program. I didn't want to declare bankruptcy. I didn't want a loan. I am responsible for myself. So I said, I'm going to take this debt. I'm going to get in touch with this company. And they have been amazing. You know, now here I am. I'm rebuilding my credit again when it was damn near perfect. <laughs> and it sucks. So, you know, complacency can do a lot of fucking things because now... I don't have my cars. My starter, we thought, went out on the red car, and that's not what happened. The engine is dead, and that's a. am not even going to address that. It, like, it is what it is at this point. And then the axle um, in the rear of our um, Ford Explorer went out. And so now we're carless, um, and I don't have good enough credit to buy a new car. And I know that those other two cars are going to get fixed. But there's other mitigating circumstances in my life that aren't allowing me to move forward right now. So the only thing saving my ass is AA. The only thing saving my... The only thing saving me is that I came out of a place of complacency at just the right time. Yes, I don't have enough credit to buy a new car. That's fine. Yes, we're down to one job in the house right now. Luckily, my husband got a new job and he started today. So, okay. But I have the tools in front of me to be able to manage everything. I'm sober. I know what to do if um, I can't afford something or something needs to be fixed. 
I know I don't have the credit for it right now, but at the same time, I have the ability to ask people, hey, can you help me out? Hey, can you loan me this or do this? Because having that humility and being able to ask for help is a huge part of spiritual growth in this program. Nobody likes to ask for help, you guys. Nobody likes to ask for help. Nobody wants to say, hey, I'm really down on my luck. I need some help. But when you do that, when you're honest, when you're honest with yourself, you can be honest with others. And I have been working tirelessly at honesty with myself. And it has felt so good that when I get asked a question, I'm not hiding anything. I am not lying about anything because I came out of that place of complacency and said, shit, I better get my life together because if I don't get my life together and shit hits the fan, I'm not going to know how to handle it. I'm not going to know how to deal with it. So while I hate the idea of complacency, while I hate the season of complacency, I think for me in this aspect, it taught me something. It taught me that if I get complacent, if I don't do the work, if I don't do my job, if I don't do the next right thing, if I don't do what is suggested in the program of AA, if I don't reach out to my sponsor, like all these things, you guys, when we don't do them, they will come back on us tenfold. And if we're not ready, it is going to be really, really hard. It is going to be so painful. It is going to be unbelievably tenuous. When I tell you that I did not have a spiritual awakening in AA until fur further into it than I wanted to, that is the God's honest truth. I definitely had it when Brandon died. Um, that definitely shook my world up. But that only shook me to the point of making sure that I stayed sober. It didn't shake me enough to the point where I realized without my program I was going to truly be heading down the bad path. It was just enough to keep me sober and keep me in line and keep me in the rooms. But it wasn't until this past year when my entire world fell apart and I realized, oh my God, I really have been hanging on to this for so long, even after Brandon died. I still hung on to my sobriety. I was still white-knuckling it. I was still in this point and place of, okay, I'm not going to drink, but I'm in charge. That spiritual awakening really didn't happen for me until 11 years into sobriety, 11 and a half years into sobriety, because I'm coming up on the one-year anniversary of my life when... So, you know, I, I really didn't apply any of the spiritual aspects of things. I was applying the, the, um, the suggestions and what my sponsor would tell me and the steps, but I wasn't doing the spiritual part of the steps. I wasn't doing the spiritual program because I had left church, right? I had left the one place that made me feel close to God. And I forgot that when I leave a room that doesn't mean that God stays there. God goes with me. My higher power goes with me. And I forgot to take him everywhere I went. And now, 
when I don't go to church for a Sunday, I feel miserable. And that is when I have to work harder at communicating with my higher power. When I don't go to AA on a Saturday, I have to work hard at making sure that I stay in my program, that I do the things I need to do to get me through not just the next day, but to the next Saturday. I know that it's important that I show up and do the next right thing. Because if I don't do those things, if I just sit at home on my computer and let everything tell me how to feel and what to do instead of actually doing them, then that's not going to be good for me. So if I'm being honest with you guys, like my absolute worst thing that could happen to me is happening. It's actually put me in a position where now I really have to (laughs) rely on God. I really have to be able to work on my program, work on my spiritual fitness, work on those things that actually matter. Because when I'm not, when I'm trying to do things on my own, clearly I'm not doing it right. And not only am I not doing it right, but I'm putting myself in a position, I'm putting myself in, and my family in a position of, you know, (laughs) getting screwed over. And I'm not saying that I am solely responsible for everything that's going on in my life. I am not saying that I am solely responsible for what, you know, has transpired. And, you know, I, but I do realize where... Had I not taken certain steps and had I not done certain things, I would be in a better position than I am right now. Um, I would be able to do things that I was able to do three years ago um, when the shit initially hit the fan. But because I quit focusing on my spiritual program, because I could quit um, basically paying attention to the things in the rooms, because I quit going to the rooms, because I quit going to church... I really spiraled downwards. And it's okay to do things on a computer. It's okay to um, be home. But my pastor, my new pastor was right. You know, there's a time and place for everything. And there's something about being out in the community. There's something about being out in, you know, like people. And when we're around like people, we feel less alone. We don't isolate. We tend to isolate when we um, feel uncomfortable. And, you know, that's just human nature. I have social anxiety like no other. Like, uh, the bigger the crowd, the better I do because I don't have to worry about other people. In smaller, intimate settings, I'm like, ooh, I don't know what to do. So, um... You know, it's just a matter of being able to use the tools in our program and not getting complacent. And I just wanted you guys to know that, again, here I am being perfectly imperfect. And basically, the tools in my toolbox have always been there. I just decided that I knew how to use them better than my program did or my higher power did. And so that's been really one thing that I've been struggling with. Now, I do see where, again, 
working my program and relying on my higher power is working out to my benefit because I'm not in charge. And I am not trying to take control of the situation. And it's scary. It, it really, really is. But I'm at that place in my faith again where while it's scary, I know that good is going to come of it. I know that something good is going to happen. Um, I just have to keep trusting in God and not taking it back and not trying to do things on my own. Um, and that's not easy. But I have this program. I have my sponsor. I have my friends. You know, I have these people in my life that remind me all the time that I am doing the right thing, that I am trusting the process, that I am putting the things in front that need to be in front. And so even if my life is in this like weird holding pattern of I don't know what's going on and I don't know what's going to happen, I do have this trust that everything is going to be okay. And that's because I'm being completely honest with myself. I'm being honest with you guys. I am being honest with the people in my life where it matters. And I know that when I hold on to things, when I don't tell even my mom things, you guys, like I don't ever want to worry my mom, right? Like nobody wants to worry mom. But what I found is, is that when I tell mom, I find a solution, and it's not because she's in the program, and it's not because she has all the answers, but, um, you know, it definitely is because she's my mom, you guys, and she wants what's best for me. And she will fight tooth and nail. She's a mama bear. She's the best bear. I love her. And... Um, when we bring our problems to the right people, you guys, it, we find solutions. We find answers, even if they're not the answers we want, okay? Remember, you're not always going to get the answer that you want. That is, that is, you're going to get what you need. You're going to get what you need. Would I love to have a brand new car pulled off the lot again? Absolutely. But guess what? That might not happen for a while now. I might have to be stuck in some fucking clunker that I don't really enjoy, that I don't really like, but I put gas in and it gets me to work. Because you know what? It doesn't matter who sees me in that car. The point is, is that I have that car and I can get to places. I can get to work. I can get my son to school. I can get my son home from school. I can do all these things with that car, even if it's uncomfortable and ugly. Because we always get what we need. We always get what we need. I have everything I could ever want. Truly, 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 I have everything that I could ever want right now. Um, there is nothing that I want for at this point in time. But there are things that I need. And I know that because I'm doing the things I need to do, that those needs will be fulfilled. And that is part of being willing to say, God or higher power, I am complacent. I don't know what's going on. I need you to move me because I can't move myself. Please move me in this world to where you need me to do your works. Because really, in, in the grand scheme of things, you guys, this isn't for me. This whole car situation isn't for me. This whole car situation is for me to glorify my higher power, in my mind, my God, and say, yes, I trusted God, 
and look what he did for me. God is good. And I shouldn't have to be afraid to say that to you guys. I shouldn't have to be afraid of my faith, afraid of knowing that putting my faith into a higher power is getting me exactly what I need. Even if it's not always what I want. And I really feel like we shy away from saying God or saying a higher power because we do want to be respectful of others. But for me, it is my God. For me, it is my God who gets me through, who helps me, who takes things back from me when I give them to him, who's gracious and kind and loving with me. And he's also provided me this amazing opportunity to go to AA and be with like people to find a new community of church. He's leading me even when I don't see it. And that is something that is so insanely beautiful. So insanely beautiful. I can't even begin to really tell you how happy I am that even though I'm stuck in this rut, I'm happy. And I'm really glad that no matter how hard it gets, I just wake up and I keep thanking God. Thanking God that there's air in my lungs and that he's giving me an opportunity to grow and use my resources. And I want that for you guys. I want that so badly for all of you because nothing makes me happier, truly, than taking my mess and giving you a message of hope. I want all of you guys to be able to feel like you truly have the power to turn your life around. I want all of you to be this happy. I want all of you to share the message. Not my message, your message. My message is for y'all. My message is for me. You know, I want you to be comfortable enough to say, hey, this is where I'm at in my life. This fucking sucks, but I'm doing the next right thing. I love you guys so much. I am so thankful to be here. I can't wait to be back next week. I am certainly overloaded in work right now, but when I come here, when I come into this room, I know that I'm sitting there and I'm talking to you guys and I see a few of your faces because a couple of you have reached out to me and it really feels like I'm talking to friends and I want to thank you guys for being my friends. So um, attitude of gratitude is for all my listeners this year. This year, one year, you guys, I just could not be happier. Um, I guess last week we experienced some technical difficulties. I got an email from Podbean saying that the website was down or wasn't working or what have you. So I don't know where that episode went. I'm going to look for it. I am sorry. Um, but I hope to <laughs> have a resolution for you soon. And if not, I guess we weren't ready to hear that message. <laughs> so have an awesome week, you guys. Make the most of it. Go out. Try something new. Get outside of your comfort zone. Give something to God that you weren't willing to give to him earlier. And until next time, fam, be well. Thank you for joining us on A Sober Girls Podcast, where we get together to talk about each other's experience, strength, and hope. I hope that today's episode was something that you needed to hear today, something that you can carry with you. I really look forward to our time together. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at a sober girls pod. Also, you can check us out on Twitter at a sober girls pod and our website at a sober girls podcast.podbean.com. Till next time, be well, fam.